Good morning, and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We are a spiritual community dedicated to the free and responsible search for truth and meaning, and to be in right relationship with one another, with our families, and with the planet. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there is a spark of the divine in everyone. And so the way that we normally greet the divine when we come together, even when we're apart and only virtually together, is by greeting the people who are around us. So if you would take a moment, if you have comments, if you are watching this from a platform where you have comments or at a time when you have comments, please do greet one another in those comments. And we're very, very glad you're here. I invite you to join me as we say our chalice lighting words together. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation. Black American poet Ross Gay decided to write tiny essays collecting delights, one a day for a year, and compiled them in his Book of Delights. He wrote, It didn't take me long to learn that the discipline or practice of writing these essays occasioned a kind of delight radar. Or maybe it was more like the development of a delight muscle. Something that implies that the more you study delight, the more delight there is to study. I felt my life to be more full of delight. Not without sorrow or fear or pain or loss, but more full of delight. I also learned this year that my delight grows much like love and joy when I share it. This congregation wrote its own mission statement and we revisit it every seven years. We write it on the wall of our sanctuary and we say it together every Sunday to remind ourselves what we're doing here. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the beloved community. Good morning. Today we're going to read a story about a tiny gardener who had a big, bright, beautiful flower in his garden. The Little Gardener by Emily Hughes. This was the garden. It didn't look like much, but it meant everything to its gardener. It was his home. It was his supper. It was his joy. Only he wasn't much good at gardening. It wasn't that he didn't work hard. He worked hard, very, very hard. He was just too little. But there was one thing that did blossom in his garden. It was a flower. It was alive and wonderful. It gave the gardener hope, and it made him work even harder. He worked all morning. He worked all afternoon. He worked all night. 
Still, the garden was dying. He would have no home. He would have no supper. He would have no joy. One night, feeling tired and sad, he made a wish. I wish I had a bit of help. No one heard his little voice, but someone saw his flower. It was alive and wonderful. It gave the someone hope. It made the someone want to work harder. The next day, the gardener was weary and slept the whole day. He slept the whole week. He slept the whole month. And when he finally awoke, it had been just long enough for something to change. This is the garden now. And this is its gardener. He doesn't look like much, but he means everything to his garden. The end. John Cage was a white American composer, the leader of the post-World War II avant-garde music movement. His compositions inspired Merce Cunningham's choreography. They were romantic partners for most of their lives. It is not futile to do what we do. We wake up with energy and we do something. And we make, of course, failures and we make mistakes, but we sometimes get glimpses of what we might do next. This is the time in our service when we breathe together when we enter together into an attitude of prayer or a meditation, maybe we listen or speak to God as we understand God, or maybe we listen to our inner wisdom, or maybe just watch our breath as it goes in and out of our bodies. This is the still point inside where all the religions of the world say that we can receive clarity where we can feel ourselves rooted in the heart of compassion. Will you breathe with me and enter into the silence together? As we continue in an attitude of meditation, please, you're welcome to light candles in your home. Candles of joy or sorrow candles of memory or hope or candles of a vow or a determination
About three years ago, my father fell down a flight of stairs. He was, at 90 years old, carrying a big screen TV down to the basement rec room of their house. His wife, who's a little bit younger than I am, called out, let me help you, let me do that. And he said jovially, nonsense, I'm using physics. And then she heard thump, 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 thump. Broken neck bones, lots of surgeries. I flew up there to visit. And sat with them for a week around Thanksgiving that year. They had this, or still have, this sunroom that is filled with jade plants. For years, he's been taking cuttings of jade plants and making new jade plants. And so there's just this forest of jade plants in the sunroom. And the biggest big daddy of the sunroom is a jade plant named Deng Xiaoping. My father was in the news business, so that's the name the jade plant got. And I asked for a cutting from Deng Xiaoping and uh, brought it home to Texas with me, planted it, put it on the windowsill in the kitchen where I could look at it, this tangible connection with my dad. That windowsill didn't have any good light, and so the plant just languished, basically, until I took it outside. I have a raised bed garden that's pretty high raised up pretty high and so I put it in there and it got really sturdy and lots of leaves and it enjoyed the sun and the fresh air and all was well then he died in May and I was very glad to have this little piece of him from a plant he'd loved and cared for I didn't cry much when he died, and I noticed that in myself, and I thought, well, he's 94, but I knew also that grief is a weird little thing, and it hits everybody differently, and it doesn't ever really finish with you. One day, my wife, Kaya, came into the house carrying a pot with just a little stick in it. She said, the chickens ate your jade plant. I felt this rage tsunami sweep up through me. And my heart turned to stone. And I said, those cussed chickens. Only I'm afraid I didn't use the word cussed. They ate every single leaf of my jade plant. Who knew that chickens would eat jade plants? And I was mad at them. And I was mad at me for not knowing that they would also eat my beautiful little sturdy jade plant. And I cry like a child in between threatening to strangle the chickens. But my wife, Kaya, is a gentle person and a gardener a farmer and she loves those chickens (laughs) and she said I think I can get this plant to come back and I said no I'm not waiting for this plant to come back or no bless your heart I'm glad you're a hopeful person and everything but just throw it away I don't want to see it anymore 
we sat on the couch together and talked about giving away the chickens, talked about selling the chickens, talked about trying yet again to surround the garden with something the chickens wouldn't fly over or get into or sneak around or whatever. They'd eaten my flowers. I had beautiful flowers in this one bed that I looked at as I get out of bed every morning, look at the beautiful flowers. Well, they'd eaten those flowers three or four times, and we tried different things to keep them from the flowers. And I was unwilling to try again. Poor thing. One day she suggested that we go to the garden center to get some plants. I said, no! We're not getting any more plants until we get rid of these stupid chickens. I hate these stupid chickens. They've eaten everything I've ever loved. (laughs) I was in kind of a dramatic mood that day, I guess. And so again, we sat on the couch and she held my hand and she knew I was grieving and this is how I was grieving. Well, she'd put the little jade plant out on the porch in the shady sun. And I was ignoring it. But every now and then I'd go out and visit it. I didn't talk to it, though. One day she came in and it had these two little, these two little cheerful, insouciant leaves right on the tip of the stem. And I thought, poor dumb little plant. It's trying again. Doesn't it know the dangers that are out there? Doesn't it know what this world is like? How could it grow some more? But I brought it inside and I lined it up on the windowsill away from the chickens inside where they don't come. I lined it up on the windowsill where I'd asked my father's wife to send me some more cuttings and she had so I had planted those and I have them all in a line and I I watered it but I I didn't give it my heart I watered it in a kind of a I don't care way and then some days later I, I turned the plant grow light on that we use for the lemon tree in the winter time I just thought okay here here's a grow light I'm going to water you and give you light and grow if you want to. I've had so many big losses in the garden. I I had a, a smoke tree that was like another one of my children. And this guy who came into the backyard to cut down another tree that had gotten too much ice damage to live anymore, he cut my smoke tree down too. That was awful. In addition to losses in the garden, I've had so many smaller just wonders and delights. You know, I moved into a house where the woman before me who owned it had a was a gardener and she liked to try different plants and so there were uh, there were horsetail plants that are the, one of the most ancient plants that there are. I mean, I, I think someone told me that dinosaurs would have recognized a horsetail plant. There's, they're so ancient they don't even make leaves. It's just a stem. And one day I pushed some grass aside and there was this little clump of miniature Japanese iris, purple and glowing and gorgeous. And sometimes I had surprises in the garden. Um, 
just because I didn't know what I was doing because, you know, I planted beans one year, string beans, and I, I was feeling so brave because I was going to eat more vegetables. And uh, I would go out and check on all my vegetables and all my flowers. And the beans just kept having leaves and they never had beans. And I was like, where are the beans? And one day I was weeding and I pushed aside the leaves and underneath the leaves, the beans were, were all there hanging from the bottom of the leaves. So that was a good surprise, only because of uh, my, my ignorance. I learned that some flowers will come up a different color the next year than they were the last year. I love this quotation from composer John Cage. We're quoting him a lot today. He said, I am trying to be unfamiliar with what I'm doing. That gives you a certain freedom, doesn't it? Gardens make you think. Gardens make you think, how much do I want it to do what it's going to do? How much do I want to participate in what it's going to do? Am I doing agriculture where I, where I participate a lot and I do you know, pollinating and grafting and crossbreeding? Or do I just kind of plant something pretty and let it grow wild? Or do I want to weed that thing out? Or do I want to leave it because it's drought tolerant? Or what is a weed anyway? And sometimes something that looks like a weed is, is really turns out to be useful or beautiful and it seems kind of random what's called a weed and what's called a flower. And maybe you realize working in a garden that there's a balance that you can choose to strike between uh, making nature do what you want it to do and helping it do what it's doing um, and that making it wild or making it formal is just a choice and a matter of what you believe about your relationship to the planet and what you think beauty is and what you think water is for and maybe judging beauty is really just teetering on the edge of a mistake anyway another one from John Cage he says the first question I ask myself when something doesn't seem to be beautiful is, why do I think it's not beautiful? And very shortly you discover that there is no reason. So what have I learned? <laughs> um, you've learned that I'm not a very good gardener, which is fine. But I am enthusiastic and I love it. I've learned that, I, that you can recover from most mistakes. And then you can learn even from the mortal mistakes that you can't recover from. And I've learned that you can experiment and fail. And that if you have a living relationship with a living garden, if you're willing to stay in relationship, you can try again and experiment some more and maybe not fail. Or maybe what does fail mean? Or maybe what does succeed mean? I learned that I'm happier when I fall in love with the process rather than a goal. And I use that in many places in my life. I don't make goals. I try to make processes. And I've learned that dark is just as important for growth as light. You can't have any growth without dark.
And I've learned that sometimes you need to pull up a plant that's not doing well to make room for another one that will thrive, even if you planted that first plant on purpose. From the garden, I learned that I need to ask for help. And I learned that when the world is too full of people and events that outrage my spirit every day, the spirit of life and the spirit of dirt can ground me and keep pushing me through. That's what the spirit of life does. It just keeps making life. And then it pushes you through your life and pushes you to your death. Because that's how we're made. The spirit of life takes care of death as well. And that's why I cringe a little bit when I read people on Facebook or see a hazy meme that says, oh, I believe in God when I see the dolphins and sunsets. And I think, ah, you don't know much about nature, do you? (laughs) I mean, there are dolphins and there are sunsets, but there's also, you know, blizzards and rats and hyenas and microbes and um, pestilence. I don't say that out loud to people because if they're in a hazy dolphin sunset mood, they don't want to hear any of that. But all of that is right there in your garden. All that creation destruction is right there. And that's how life is built. So how's that little jade stem doing now? I brought it to show you. It has a few more little leaves. It might come back all the way. invite you to join me as we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. The benediction is from a song written by Kaya Hartwood, my wife, from the words of Dylan Thomas. The force that raises up the flower drives my green age. 
The forest that blasts the roots of trees will soon destroy me. And I am dumb to tell. And I am dumb to tell. And I am dumb to tell the crooked rose. Go in peace. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.